You're listening to the Painted Goddess Podcast with Jennifer Hershu. This is episode number 75. Hello, witches. It's Wednesday. How are you? Today is October 21st, 2020. As I drop this episode, I'm recording on the 20th, Tuesday, as I normally do. I am sitting with a lot of questions this week. Libra season has kind of eked by in a way that it just kind of... Um, many of us have been talking about how we, you know, normally really love October and all of the time, you know, like the, the traditions that have, um, really been part of what we do this time of year. This year is the first year that I actually kind of cleaned up my yard. I was able to get a bunch done in my yard and clean it up. I still have a couple of parts of the yard, including the vegetable garden, to put to rest. But the weather's holding out. I just went out this morning, and there's still tomatoes ripening. There's still lavender blooming, and my herbs are thriving right now. So I'm noticing a shift of the seasons, and maybe you are too. And this time of year is also when I remember my grandmother who passed away this time of year in 2000. Um, I'm sorry, not in 1998. And, but I, 2000, the year 2000 has been on my mind a lot because, uh, as I think back to 20 years ago, there's just a lot that pivoted for me then. And 1998 was a pivotal point, uh, before that time. So I've been looking at the different cycles and the echoes a lot in my own life and just reflecting what that means, what that means for what's coming. Um, Many of you know, of course, astrology is my kind of anchor. And as I've lived through more cycles now, especially Jupiter, but also Saturn, Right? These two planets are hammering us right now with structural changes and growth in the political realm, in the societal realm, and what we leave as a legacy as it transits through Capricorn. And I talked a lot about, um, you know, in general, these themes of Mercury retrograde last podcast, talking about the Scorpio energy. And I feel like it just needs to be continued. So I'm really wanting to talk about Scorpio and Pluto this episode, but it can't be taken away from the Pluto that is in Capricorn right now. The Pluto that has been um, 
making conjunctions with Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn basically all year. And there have been some dates that I wrote down as I kind of looked ahead last year. Every year I create a Jupiter year ahead spread. And this includes uh, 12 cards around a circle representing 12 months. It also rep uh, includes a center card, a focus card, um, representing kind of the main theme or focus. And, you know, as you may know, Jupiter takes about 12 months to move through one sign. And so Jupiter's been in Capricorn since last December, and it will be there until December uh, 20th of this year. And on that day, um, actually, it doesn't, it moves, let me find the day. I feel like I do this every time. Um, Jupiter will move into Aquarius on the 20th, yes. And on that day, it will be conjunct to Saturn, which will be in Aquarius at zero degrees for a little bit longer. It enters Aquarius on the 17th. So we are kind of beginning the Aquarian age, in my opinion, in earnest. Because Jupiter and Saturn are kind of inaugurate, they're coming to the inauguration. They're going to conjunct at zero degrees Aquarius. And they're ushering in this new time of collective care. And we have to, you know, this whole saying this whole year, we're going to get through this together. I don't know if you really have thought about what the fuck that means. Because, well, I do know a lot of you have. But... I'm wondering how much the powers that be have really thought about what the fuck that means. Because what it, what I think it's meaning as we have seen this, this year unfold is there's a lot of ways that we need to learn to trust. And of course, many people don't deserve trust deserve such a weird word but Scorpio and Pluto being the focus of this podcast I chose that because I really wanted to feel into and Scorpio is the feminine water sign it's a fixed sign and it's ruled by Pluto so Pluto's been um, a bit of an ambassador for this year and you know, it's transforming us. And now Mercury transiting through Scorpio and then going retrograde back into Libra, wanting to bring justice with, you know, with this Scorpio teaching. It wants to bring justice. It wants to bring harmony and, and it in themes of beauty and love along with it. So... I'm really excited for the turning of this season of ushering in Scorpio season on the 22nd of October. So if you're listening to this after that, you, we're in it. And, you know, we, ha we all have Scorpio in our chart. All of us have 
Scorpio in our natal chart and there may or may not be planets there but Scorpio lives in a house in your natal chart and so it is an energy that you have access to that manifests itself in some uh, arena of your life and if you happen to be in the lab that's what we're going to be working on going through sun season in Scorpio sun sun and Scorpio season and I'm really excited about that. I've shifted, so we're going to drop the lab content on the day the, the sun moves into the new sign rather than waiting for the full moon. And I'm super stoked about it. Um, in the lab, if you're in the lab, we're looking at, you know, what house are these signs in again? What planets are there, are, you know, in that sign? Are there any at play? And then really you know, settling into what could be a lunar awareness practice. Now, lunar awareness practice, lunar alignment, uh, lunar, you know, watching the, the moon cycles, right? And lunar is moon, um, can help us ground these energies or at least experience them in a more um, cyclical way. So because the moon moves through every sign for a couple of days every month, so it's returning to much more often, right? You get this annual sun sign and sun in Scorpio, but we've been experiencing the moon in Scorpio over and over again through this year. Now that Mercury's there, the moon will conjunct Scorpio, or I mean, the moon will conjunct um, Mercury in Scorpio as well, right? So there's these kind of dates that will punctuate and heighten this energy, and meanwhile, Pluto, Scorpio's ruler, is transiting through Capricorn, the cardinal Earth sign. So it's working to manifest this really deep sense of transformation within us all. And I know you feel it. I know that you do. How could you not? And some of it comes up as old stuff that needs to be healed Scorpio, you know, it's no surprise that baths, being in water, is a healing um, modality. You know, we're mostly made of water. It's like returning to home. And Scorpio, this fixed water uh, sign, this fixed water sign is, you know, can we sit in that watery depth and just surrender into it when I learned to well I never really truly learned to swim I never took swimming lessons I was always afraid of water in my young years of getting it in my eyes my daughter both my my daughter is this way as well which is a whole situation um and very frustrating because you know at some point um I got really stoned and I learned to float. My parents always said that I had a lead butt, that I just couldn't float. The problem was not that I couldn't float, but that I couldn't surrender, that I couldn't relax, that I couldn't trust that when I breathed in and filled my lungs with air that I would float. I didn't really know what it was to trust that naturally 
I can float on water. So I feel like that's really what we are being asked to do is to trust the healing properties of this water. And this season will really take us into some depths. Um, on the anti-racist tip, <laughs> because I'm still doing this work personally, and I hope you are too. I hope you have not um, made it into just this social meme and then left the work. Um, I've been watching Lovecraft Country. In fact, I finished, we finished watching it. And I've been listening to the podcast, which is an aside, like a commentary. And Lovecraft, H.P. Um, Lovecraft was a uh, fiction writer. And many of his books, I guess, I never read any of them, were quite racist. They were created during the time of uh, Jim Crow laws, and, and, and certainly it was part of society to separate um, black people from white people in a very kind of hurtful and harming way. And yet what's come through, especially in the podcast, they're talking about really interesting themes where there were benefits for folks growing up in a black community to be surrounded and supported by their peers, right? Doctors that looked like them and um, really when you think about these communities, there was safety within them and it's very obvious the way they create Lovecraft Country when the black folks go out, when the main characters um, go out, Letitia and, and Tick and and George, they go out into this white community and they go to these sundown towns. You can tell, I mean, clearly it's not safe for them. At any rate, I highly recommend this series. It's been a huge, not an eye opener per se, because, you know, we're told these things happened. But when it's created in such a manner that you can kind of see how absurd and horrific the white supremacist movements have been and, and what was kind of done to the fabric of culture that black people had been thriving within. You know, when we talk about Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921, where they burned it down, you know, because there was, there was too much black joy and too much thriving going on and, Essentially, white people just couldn't handle it, apparently. Right? It's the whole, the whole they took our jobs thing or something. But of course, it goes much deeper than that. So I highly recommend that. And then we couldn't get enough. <laughs> so um, then we were recommended to watch Watchmen, which I'd seen the movie. Um, but Watchmen, the series on, on HBO, has, is also very good. So... Anyways, highly recommend that you bring more um, stories from black writers and um, culture into your realm and start to normalize seeing black people, right? Especially if you live in a really white area, which most of, um, most of us are still fairly segregated um, that I know. Most of the people 
in Washington state are liberal. However, our communities, you can see diversity, but we, we act in separate circles still. And, um, you know, I don't have a lot of black friends and it's interesting to me to, to know that I don't really know how to reconcile the lack of familiarity and trust. And I think that that's what Scorpio season can offer us is a new perspective on trust. And notice who's saying, trust me. <laughs> you know, oftentimes if someone has to tell you to trust them, there's something wrong. <laughs> oh, so astro weather this week. Um, you know, so the sun's moving into Scorpio on the 22nd. We've still got Mars in retrograde. Mercury's also retrograding. And our first quarter moon is um, in the sign of Aquarius. And so that's what we're we're having this week. The my book, um, the first quarter moon's gonna be on Friday this week, the twenty third. So, as lunar as lunar cycles move through, right, the first quarter moon is when we really have we start getting to work, right? So at the new moon, which was last Friday, we call in the new energy. We we call in that new energy, that new lunar cycle. <clears throat> and the new moon in Libra really, um, it was something. It was something else. That energy was really collective. And at Circle, we actually stayed after for quite some time talking, you know, a few of us. And it was really lovely. So when the, the new moon in, was in, in Libra on the 16th, Venus is was also in Virgo trying to Jupiter and Capricorn. So Venus being in Virgo right now is making these trines to the, the stellium in Capricorn. So it's trying to sweeten this fear that has come from the transformation, right? Like trust the process, see what's coming through and trust that this is for us, right? We, I think we were taught on a, on a large level, and some of it's very intentional, to, to really fear shift and change. And certainly Scorpio as a fixed sign is not, you know, always up for change. But again, it's water. Water literally shifts and moves. It's, you know, you have to have something very solid to contain it, right? And so it's kind of boundless and limitless in its way. So while it may be very fixed and, and there's still this, this need for us to hold it, for it to do its work. So sitting in containers of water, like a bath, highly recommend. Um, but there is this healing trying to come through with Venus and Virgo. It wants to, it wants to, to analyze what harm has been done and heal and be of service to that call. 
And I feel like it's no mistake that, uh, you know, Venus moved into Virgo um, during Libra season because Venus, you know, rules Libra. And it was looking for the to-do list. It was looking for that naughty and nice list that, you know, that way that we can really start to pull apart um, the trappings of this machine that we're all part of and open our hearts a little more with consciousness and, and service in mind. You can hear my energy. It's very, mm. <laughs> but I'm feeling the dip. I'm feeling the dip of fall. I'm feeling the dip into the darker part of the year. Last night I had so many dreams like I was underwater doing work while I was sleeping. I woke up late, later than I, I needed to get up and feeling so groggy for most of today. It's been a very interesting day, but it was hard for me to go to sleep last night. And I had a couple friends who usually are very early to bed you know, texting me as well, like, hey, are you up? Like, I can't sleep. So I thought that was an interesting kind of energetic report, if nothing else. But as the sun moves into Scorpio, I feel like this heavy and comfortably numb feeling may start to set in. So if you zone out or check out because the anger and the idiocy is too much, this political climate has gotten quite ridiculous. I want to just offer that while the moon is moving, you might really feel into those energies so that you're able to kind of shift and change the channel a little bit. And you know, the sun being in Scorpio will still have that present, of course. But the moon's going to make some really important aspects. It's going to square Mercury, for instance, which is in retrograde on, on Saturday, right after the sun moves. And so there's going to be um, the moon, that moon squaring that, that Mercury retrograde. And the sun's moving towards the Mercury retrograde, right? And then on Sunday, or that's Friday, I'm sorry. So Friday is the first quarter moon, and then the moon will be squared to Mercury retrograde. Um, then it's going to conjunct Saturn in the same day, right? Because the moon moves, right? The moon moves. And then, oh, I'm sorry. It's, yeah, the moon will be... Yeah, squaring from um, Aquarius. I don't think I said that. So, and then, you know, then the sun's going to be conjunct to Mercury on Saturday and Sunday, essentially. So there'll be this conjunction in Scorpio amplifying and ushering in that Scorpionic energy. But meanwhile, Mars will be square to Jupiter and this is all while the moon is, you know, going to be in this fixed Aquarius. So I imagine this weekend 
will be full of divine downloads, full of deep old messages, full of clear, clear, um, you know, sword-like Aquarian energy coming through. And we're, we're getting ready. We're getting ready to shift. We're getting ready to move. And yet there's these, you know, these retrogrades that are happening right now are, are literally holding us at the starting gate. Literally holding us at the starting gate, asking us to listen, asking us to pause, asking us to examine, right, with that Vir Venus in Virgo, asking us to analyze how this vibration of love can actually be of service. How do we surrender? How do we heal? So that's a lot. There's a lot of that happening. I ended up, I wanted to pull a tarot card for this week as well. And the tarot card I pulled was the Three of Pentacles. And I used the Dolly Tarot because a friend of mine on Instagram, she just got the new gold rim deck, which is gorgeous, gorgeous, and um, very exciting. But I thought I would um, pull from this um, deck. And the book is that I have, I mean, it's huge, number one. It's like an art book, right? It's a huge art book. And Dolly, of course, was a surrealist painter, and he made this tarot deck, um, or at least they took Dolly paintings and kind of, I, I think he, he made them. Why don't I know this? I read it. <laughs> I read it in the beginning. Um, but I love it. It's, it's written in a couple different languages. Yeah, he created the Tarot Universal Dolly, which was published as a limited edition signed artwork based on the tradition of the tarot. Um, so he created these 78 um, pieces of art. So he was fascinated with the tarot. So the Three of, of Pentacles, so then it's written by Tashin. So the Three of Coins, as it's named in the Dolly Tarot, I'm going to read from this book, which I just love. Um, I, yeah, they're the, um, the descriptions, the definitions, the themes of these cards in this book are just fantastic. So the Three of Coins is called The Calling. The Calling. Dolly, who has often been accused of godlessness and of being an enemy of the church, uses the figure of Christ here to represent money and new values. For the devout Christian, the picture of Christ represents an invitation to follow in his footsteps, to heed the call of God, and to realize our own personal calling. It is precisely this question of a calling that constitutes the traditional reading of this card. Although Dolly's picture is unique in its composition, it conveys the same message as many other versions of this card. The city or castle in the tree represents your personal goals, which are above and beyond behind your uh, all your efforts. Do these objectives resemble a dream house, or are they more like the proverbial castle in the sky? 
All your ideals and aims are being questioned now. You will not be able to achieve any peak performances if you do not call upon and use all your hidden energies, your latent talents. The circles on the robe of Christ or saintly figure pictured may be interpreted as a labyrinth, perhaps probably hinting at the great effort and all the searching involved before you reach your personal summit. If you look at the labyrinth from a different angle, it resembles a shell of a great tortoise. This symbol encourages you to be consistent and patient, but to be aware of reclusive and standoffish behavior. Only top class achievements that enhance your personal well-being and expand your consciousness are of any lasting value. Each person has his or her own peak to climb. Naturally, there are mountains of varying heights, but each has a summit. Your personal task is to reach your own zenith. Your personal task is to reach your own zenith. <clears throat> um, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you should, and I will um, post a picture of this card in an altar for this week. Practical advice, um, find the task that requires and focuses all your energies. Do not, um, do not only ask what you want, ask what God and the world want from you. Then your life will be much easier and more rewarding. So I love, again, like I said, I love the descriptions from this book. I think that they are purposeful and surrealist and you know truly speak to the metaphors of and archetypes of the tarot and I just love Dolly's rendition of this um, three of pentacles or coins um, one of the things that stands true and I think it's so interesting you know when I pulled this card I thought oh a minor arcana, like whatever. I feel like this, the energy of this week is much more karmic, right? But what more karma can you imagine than hearing the call of your true desire? And not just your true desire, but that primordial desire that is really tapped into the divine everything. The thing that is literally pulling you out of bed every day. Why is it that you feel so pulled to do what you're doing? And if it feels empty, notice. Notice. And if you can't change immediately all the things that suck your joy, shift slowly, deliberately towards that which you desire. Listen to the call. Hear that call. All right. On the other side of this, we're going to kind of get into a little bit more of the Pluto energy and Scorpio's medicine as well. Be right back. Right. 
Welcome back. So, okay. Scorpio season is upon us. Scorpio is ruled by Pluto. Here's where we are. And one of the things that I really wanted to teach about in general is the cyclical nature of all these planets and how they kind of make their returns. But what I think is coming through now um, is really like really getting back to the correspondences, to looking at these kinds of planetary rulers. You know, I've been reading, um, I've been reading again and reading texts um, that have been written a long time ago, some of them. Um, and now I can't even remember the name, but I've been kind of using my library app like crazy and, and, uh, reading books on my phone at night. In fact, I was up till three last night reading and, um, mostly about astrology, of course, um, cause I'm obsessed and the, the, the book I'm reading, it's about psychology and astrology and the use of astrology, the, the aim of astrology, the kind of um, usefulness, right? So, you know, beyond it being useful from a perspective of development, transpersonal um, awareness and, and this kind of, you know, it's like, what what is astrology good for is kind of like the aim of this book. It's like, who, you know, who's to say, right? And the thesis basically that's put forward in this book is like, if it's, if it's useful, then there you go. You don't need to, you know, find more proof beyond it working, right? Because even if we're just talking and mixing metaphors, you know, who the fuck knows, honestly, if Pluto creates transformation. But the fact of the matter is that within the astrological system, therein lies every correspondence of aspecting human life and it's kind of you know the 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 um the conclusion this book is seeming to make is that you know be like it's the best psychological tool right now that we have and no wonder it's coming up as being um you know kind of seeing a resurgence because we really truly are allowing ourselves to get caught up in the mythology of it and we can see that it's being used to um, understand ourselves and each other which is useful it's useful to understand the cyclical nature of the world which we can understand by watching the moon and its cycles the sun and its cycles jupiter pluto uranus saturn and its cycles we can also notice that when a saturn you know, when Saturn returns, these are interesting points in our life. This is 27, this is 56, this is, or 20, you know, 27 to 29, this is 56, right? So we have this kind of cyclical pattern that kind of comes up. And when we say, well, yeah, at your first Saturn return, you're going to become an adult. It's kind of time to stop playing around in certain ways. There may be some dogma attached to that and some different things that feel really heavy, but ultimately we can we can just kind of say yeah that's a that time of our lives is in in so many ways a rite of passage and then when we look at jupiter right jupiter's 12 years yeah think of what you know 12 years that's a you know that's a growth cycle 12 is when many women start their bleeding right 12 is when you know that your hormones are 
pretty much kicking. Even if you're a late bloomer, your hormones are kind of kicking at 12. And, you know, that's when you have your first Jupiter return. So, you know, and on and on, right? Well, Pluto, planets that are outward, don't have that kind of personal sick cycle. They work out their cycles in society, in the external, right? In, in culture and in um, countries, right? So when we look at Pluto and Pluto's returns, and we've talked a lot about, or at least I've talked a lot about, I know I've mentioned it on this podcast. I don't know if you've heard me mention it, but if you've been around, around you have. Pluto cycles really are revolutionary cycles. They're asking us to transform and transcend and up-level society. Um, and one of the other books that I got turned on to that I'm just loving and I love, love, love is the Shamanic Astrology Handbook. It's written by Daniel Giamario and Kaylin uh, Castell. It's an older-ish book, too. It's more contemporary than the one I was reading last night, which was um, written, I believe, in the 70s. Um, you know, but it, it begins, you know, this this idea of shamanic, shamanic astrology is really focused on north node and nodal axes. It talks about how this kind of, calling you know again this three of pentacles idea of we have this calling it's karmic and um the the lunar nodes are going to kind of dictate a little bit what mastery we have that source that south node is this mastery we're bringing that mastery into the north node uh, mission which is you know the on that axis and we're, we're meant to kind of you know level up right level up and, and, you know, for Pluto, you know, being that ruler of Scorpio and this time of year being, um, you know, really when the veil is thinning and the ancestors are, you know, kind of calling to us, it's like we hear their call quite loudly, I think, especially some of us. Um, but on page 109 of the Shamanic Astrology Handbook, they start talking about Pluto and what's it, what its aim is. So the ultimate purpose, it says, the ultimate purpose of a Pluto initiation is empowerment. However, it often works through a reverse process. What, what, what? The ultimate purpose of a Pluto initiation is empowerment. However, it often works through a reverse process. So it knocks you down before it lets it, you know, and before you have, I mean, you have to empower yourself, right? Self-empowerment by its very name is driven by the self. It's not given, right? You got to take the power back. You have to embrace, you know, you actually have to stand in it. Um, it says the first phase of a Pluto initiation is usually a feeling of powerlessness. A main feature of every Pluto initiation is something will happen that you don't know is going to happen before it happens. And then this type of initiation is different from what has been popularized by many new age groups that teach the development of spiritual techniques that allow us to detach. See the cosmic overview and see the beauty of the divine plan unfolding in front of us, right? It's not like this all knowing Oh, I've, I've reached enlightenment. I've reached this knowing. In fact, it's almost the opposite. It's this cosmic joke of like recognizing the reckoning of knowing nothing. Of I am powerless. 
And so what can I control? Right? It's very cool. So Pluto does not just go direct at it, right? Pluto initiations are in alignment with a much older spiritual uh, tradition described by the dark night of the soul, the 40 days in the wilderness, and the descent into the lower world. So you really have to go in. You know, it's, the, it's not the hero's journey where you're going and conquering. It's the hermit's journey where you go within. Right? You hear that calling, that still voice within, and you have to go underneath into the shadows. It says a Pluto initiation cannot be prepared for except by giving yourself permission to go through it and to know it is not ordinary reality. Consider making a list of your deepest fears. Pay attention to your own shadow side and what has been unrecognized within you. Participating in this process provides the possibility that these fears may not have been have to be literalized because you have called them out. Interestingly, what usually happens in a Pluto cycle is something that didn't make the list. <laughs> Fucking Pluto. Right? So we're all kind of, if you live in the United States, we're in a Pluto cycle right now. Pluto is interacting. Pluto is active. Pluto is interacting with both Saturn and Jupiter, which won't happen for a long time. Think of this. Okay. You, you know, astrological cycles are not in and of themselves, un, you know, unordinary, right? They're very ordinary, but some of these transits are pretty significant because they aren't as regular. They aren't as ordinary. The last time that this kind of stellium and Capricorn happened was centuries ago. So we're looking at the fact that all year, Pluto's been having these meetings with Jupiter, having these meetings with Saturn. Every month, the moon goes around and checks in. It's like, hey, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? How are you feeling? How's everyone feeling? And, you know, the moon kind of walks into the room. I'm, 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 I'm like picturing like, you know, these really dominant kind of, you know, Jupiter's this, Jupiter is Zeus, right? Pluto is Hades, okay? Saturn is Kronos. Um, so it's like father time. So, so they're all just like bravado fucking crazy. Hades the only one that's, you know, Pluto's the only one with a, you know, a kind of, uh, I, well, not the only. But all this bravado, chilling out in this planet of maturity, it's like, can we please, please kill the patriarchy? It is not working. And the moon comes around and is like, hey, guys, have you guys worked your individual shit out so we can get on with this yet? <laughs> That's what I kind of, and the moon, like, every time she walks into the room, she's like, ooh, it's fucking messy in there. It's messy. Right? And these other planets, you know, if they've walked into the room, they don't know what they walked into. They don't know what they just did. They're like, what did we just see? You know, because they're just kind of living in their frat house right now. 
Um, which, no. Capricorn is not a frat house. Capricorn is a skyscraper. Capricorn is an office building with cubicles and very efficient tax preparation methods. <laughs> and this is where, you know, the constraints of culture and politics have been working their drama out. So, you know, Pluto is, it's so interesting. So we're all in this Pluto drama right now. So the question is, is how are we going to, how are you personally, right? Because it is personal for everyone. We're being initiated into this phase of empowerment for whatever reason. When we have the actual Pluto return, which happens in a couple of years, um, you know, that which has been transformed will start to solidify in some way, right? Um, into a fixed idea of what's next. And I say fixed idea because it's moving into Aquarius, which is, you know, the fixed air sign. So, you know, Cardinal Earth, it's like, okay, we're moving, we're moving, we're going to start to move and we're start to break stuff up. We're going to start manifesting and creating. Um, and the Aquarian... The, that when Pluto moves into Aquarius, it's going to start to really transform the idea aspect, the clear vision aspect, the collective care aspect, the like all of us together. What does it actually truly mean? And some of us have been, you know, contemplating mandalas and understanding, you know, that we're all connected in a very significant way you know, watch the drama of everybody trying to parse out the right and wrong and this end and that end and the black and the white and the, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're like, can we talk about spectrum, please? Can we talk about hologram, please? Can we talk about the microcosm, macrocosm, please? Can we talk about one can't do this without the other? Can we do, can we talk about the clarity that's seen from the zoom in, zoom out relationship that, you know, so many have been observing in their own lives and in other, you know, in, in, in the world, right? Observing reality as this dynamic, creative mandala spinning through over and over, right? I think that there's just a ton of us, and I do include myself in that. I'm not usually very, like, bold in saying, but I see it. You know, I can attribute it to so many experiences in my life, but there are so many of us who really do see that we're, we are all connected. You can't take one piece out and say like, okay, good. You know, you can't put something together, have like six missing parts and be like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Right. And when we look at Pluto, it's like it, it's this, you know, it talks about this dark night of the soul and you can try to see in the dark. Right. But you can't know what you don't know. And so that's permission to just go into the unknown and, and surrender again. The the magic of water asking us to float. The, the magic of water that, you know, the rivers always find the sea. Right. There's, there's this destination, this path that we can't really know. And there's, you know, by the way, there's no there's no salt like there's no um, 
There's no fulfillment in necessarily knowing. Because when we know, right, the things that we know and we've solidified and we've created and we've counted on as security, right? And this is what we're learning in Capricorn. It's like when, we, when you say, oh, well, you know, these systems will protect us. These systems will be here for us. These systems will make our lives easy, comfortable, will leave a legacy. Well, that hasn't been what's been happening at all for 99% of people on this planet. It's worked for quite a few. It's a very small percentage of people who feel the aspect of legacy, who understand what their ancestors have done because they knew their ancestors. It's been a story handed down and handed down. It hasn't been a story shamed or, or you know, shamed by colonialism or ripped away by, uh, by, by genocide and retold by the, the winners of, of the race, right? By the, by the colonizers. And when we look at the whole world wide and see everything's kind of crumbling in some way and falling apart, it's not, it's a cycle. It's normal, but only so much as we understand the cyclical nature of these ways that we break down and rebuild in our own image. We must look at, well, there are so many I mean, the education of some of these young people that I've met or even seen on like TikTok, I'm like some of the, it's bananas. It's bananas that these people are not being listened to and that there's this, you know, kind of um, disenfranchised regularity that's been placed upon most young people and and the prevailing kind of idea that they're naive for fe feeling like there's something more possible for all of us. It's like, oh, you're crazy. It's like, no. You know, I remember being told, like, you're, you, you'll change. You'll, you know, that idealism you have, that'll shift when you get older. You'll realize. You'll realize. What a fucking lie that was. What a fucking lie. That was a gaslight. That's what that was. Because I have not forgotten. It's just coming around again. Bing bong bang, it's boomerang. <laughs> like, coming around again. And this time Pluto is here to back me up to back you up to back us up so we can't get out of this process we can't reverse this process right it, you know the point is it says in this in shamanic the point is in a pluto cycle something completely overwhelming occurs so when we are overwhelmed and facing this, this transit, all we have is each other 
to rely on in so many ways. And I will keep showing up. I'll do my best to translate the cosmos and learn more. And I'm working on right now, actually, I'm working on a written piece. Um, I don't think it'll be long enough to be a book, but we'll see about Pluto generations and the work that each generation was called to do. Now, I don't think that I'm necessarily, you know, my generation's out of the tunnel on this. I think this is, you know, in so many ways, our Pluto transit. Those of us who were born with Libra, uh, with Pluto in Libra. Because we were, we were told this would simmer down. We were told to get on the conveyor belt of normal life of getting married and having children and everything would work out. Buy the house, have the garden. It hasn't, it hasn't quite worked out. And now we look at our children and question the legacy that will be left for them as dinosaurs rule Capitol Hill in this country dinosaurs, out-of-touch people who don't understand even the problems of today, let alone the ones that we'll be faced with tomorrow. So, talk louder, keep talking, keep noticing reality, hear the calling in your heart. That's what Scorpio season is for. Give yourself permission to embrace the darkness within you. Call it into the light or sit in it. Sit in the darkness with it. Until it feels like you can surrender and trust. I love you. Don't forget, you're powerful as fuck. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, hey, so do you want to work with me? Do you want to get to the bottom of all of this stuff? Do you want to do a reading? Do you want to get into the Astrologic Lab? Are you interested in working at a whole new level? I have some things that I have released recently, and I really want to make sure you know about them. Number one, I've opened my October books. I'm doing three-card three natal chart readings. It's called my Astro Tarot Readings. I do these for 88 bucks if you're a new client. Once you are a client of mine, you always get a discount. And so the readings for return clients are 77. I give you about an hour of my time from building an altar just for you, pulling the cards, reading your chart. I send it all in a recording and some beautiful photos for you to digest and do the work. So I do my work, then you do your work. So no need to make appointments, um, sync up our schedules, anything like that. My readings are powerful and I've been told so many times that they have helped people to understand 
why they're going through what they're going through, support themselves during these times and to help them kind of solidify what next steps to take. I love this work. I'm so excited for it. And I, I will continue to do it even though in a lot of ways I've been focusing on the Astrologic Lab, which is another way that you can work with me. If you wanna actually learn how to decode your natal chart month by month, learn astrology, learn how the sun moves through the signs, the moon moves through the signs, and how you can actually use your natal chart as a harvesting map for year after year after year, come to the lab. The Astrologic Lab is the place. I give you tools and uh, worksheets galore. And every month around the full moon time, I drop another basket of content in your lap and you get to do the work. I also lead live classes at least once a month, if not more. Um, there's been so much astrology. I've done at least two or three each month. And um, I've been doing this program since March-ish. Um, I'm sorry, May. <laughs> so it's been really awesome. We've got a lot of really awesome people in the lab who are super astrologically nerded out. Um, and they have lots to share as well. So as they start to share what they're learning or what they know and have researched on their own, we call us um, all rabbit hole investigators because we just go down the rabbit hole as much as possible then you are learning from them as well. It's a super cool collective and I highly recommend it. It's only 37 bucks a month. And so for the cost of four lattes a month, you can come and hang out with the coolest people I know. Um, all right, the other thing that I'm offering again, like from what I said before, I began to consider as I opened the lab one-on-one -on -one work and what that would look like. So if you're in the lab, you get a deal, 222 for three one-hour sessions. I'm calling them lunar harvest sessions. We basically take your lead, what you wanna learn, what you wanna work on, and I help create and craft a place within the cycles for you to do that work. And we do some meditation, we do some heart work, we do some healing work during the sessions based on astrology, based on meditation. And based on some of the old, my, you know, the witchcraft that I've done to help heal myself through astrology, um, even though that work is never done, pro tip. Um, and for people who are not in the lab, if you want to try this work out, you will pay more. You'll pay $3.33 for the three sessions. Still a great deal. And you'll get access to the lab for three months while we're working together. So it's a really great introduction to the lab if you intended to um, begin that work anyways. Started off with coaching. I have one spot for that left for the end of this year. And then those books will open up again in January for new clients. I hope that it's you. So get in touch. My email is jennifer at paintedgoddess.com and or you can go to paintedgoddess.com and click on the astrologic uh, learn astrology link and find out there. I'm also on Instagram the most at paintedgoddess. You can DM me if you like. Um, follow me there and all of the things.